and welcome to this podcast on gender in In the Spectacles. So, gender plays a significant role in J.B. Priestley's and Inspector Calls. Significantly, the play was written after World War II, but set in 1912. The war saw big changes for gender roles as women filled men's work positions as the men went to serve their country. This was a turning point and helped change existing gender perceptions. Women began to enjoy this newfound freedom that working and earning money afforded them. Men began to see that women were able to fulfil previously male-dominated roles. Men had to acknowledge then the fact that women were just as capable as them. However, not all men were as progressive in their thinking and saw this change in attitude positively. It would take many more years for equality to be established in gender as many stayed stuck in the past. In an inspector calls, the gender of the characters affects their role and importance in the play. Priestley explores the impact of these new gender roles through contrasting the independence of Eva Smith and the sexist attitudes of Mr Burling. We'll take a look into how the attitudes towards gender were reflected in this play in three stages. Life for women leading up to and after 1912. How Priestley crafts the gender divide in his play. And finally, the message that permeates Priestley's stagecraft. Life for women has changed significantly over the last decade. Priestley set the play in 1912 and change was particularly prevalent then. He used to make several points, he used to make several points about equality in society. 34 years before the play was set, in 1878, women were allowed to divorce an abusive husband, where previously they weren't able to unless the husband instigated the divorce. Four years later, women could own their own house, whereas before it belonged to the husband. Even though these might come as shocking to us, there were significant changes at the time. However, despite the changes, in the years leading up to the play's setting, women still severely lacked freedom. In 1912, there was progression in women's rights, but they still had an awful long way to go. Seven years after the play was set... In 1919, a Sex Disqualification Act was given royal assent. This marked a significant step forward for women's professional lives. Essentially, this meant that a person should not be disqualified by sex or marriage of any public function. This built on the representation of the People Act in 1918, which had given some women the right to vote. Remarkably, changes didn't start to come in until later on, Nobody was actually prosecuted for discrimination until 1966, a full two decades after the play was written. In the next section, we'll look at how Priestley uses attitudes towards gender through his characters. Priestley strongly relies on contrast to illicit characters' attitude to gender roles. Three women physically feature in the play. The rich Sybil Burling, wife to Mr Arthur Burling, who doesn't experience gender discrimination, her more liberal daughter, Sheila, who demonstrates more defiance, and then Edna, the totally subservient Burling maid, who holds no power and takes orders from the Burlings. Then you have the spiritual ghost of Eva, who hovers over the entire play. We'll focus on four main areas. Mr Burling and Gerald's view of women, the progressive nature of Sheila's character, Mr Burling's treatment of Eva Smith, and the portrayal of Eva before her death.
The shared view of women in society was that they were for marrying or for cheap labour. And we learn this through the characters of Mr Burling and Gerald Croft, his son-in-law-to-be. In Act 1, we're invited to witness Mr Burling's poor treatment of his female workers when he refuses Eva Smith's request for higher wages. He believes that he is paying the usual rates and if they don't like those rates, they could go and work somewhere else. He almost implies that he fired her for asking for those rights as a woman. He sees the women as cheap labour and shows disrespect to them when he says, well, we've got several hundred young women there, you know, and they keep changing. Cleverly in Act 1, Priestley ensures that the male and female characters are divided, bringing a premature end to the engagement celebrations. This use of stagecraft provides both the physical and cultural divide and allows the audience to examine gender politics from the male perspective. Women were considered as the weaker species to be protected from the ills of the world. This is compounded in Burling and Gerald's discussion about women's clothes, allowing us to further dislike Burling and his chauvinistic attitude. He tells Gerald that he's got to remember my boy, that clothes mean something quite different to a woman. This is terribly old-fashioned, sexist and very patronising. He also objectifies women when he says that clothes are not just something to wear and not only something to make them look prettier. In Act 2, Gerald refers to Eva, Daisy, as young and fresh and charming, which implies she was someone who would amuse him for a time until he no longer cared for her. It also highlights a lack of respect for women, similar to Mr Burling, as they both had control over her in their respective ways. Ultimately, Priestley sets up Mr Burling and Gerald as characters who represent men at the time, men who were deeply condescending, who felt that women failed to successfully support themselves, not because of the inherent inequality, but because they needed to prioritise prioritize buying pretty clothes to have any self-esteem. Arguably, Sheila is the character who demonstrates the most change and gives the audience hope due to her progressive nature. She represents the shifting attitudes of women throughout the play. In Act 1, we witness her refusal to behave how she is expected to. Her mother answers on her behalf and Sheila refuses to accept that men have a more important role. I don't believe I will. Sheila is seen as the most remorseful when she reflects on her retreatment of Eva Smith. She might be forgiven for her unconscious motives here. Although rich due to her family's wealth, she has relatively little power. Her role in Eva's death demonstrates her ambition for more power. She simply felt jealous and saw the opportunity to use power in this situation. Through the characters Sybil and her daughter Sheila, Priestley is communicating the clear distinction between the different generations' attitudes to women's rights. Even though we consider Sheila to be progressive, she still harbours old attitudes. Gerald chooses the ring and she's forced to leave the room when the men talk. Perhaps the most revealing aspect of gender equality is when the inspector interviews Sybil Burling about her role in Eva Smith's death. Mrs Burling is old-fashioned and seemingly happy in fulfilling her gender-defined role, believing that women should support their husbands. And she's somewhat powerful, whereas Eva Smith is modern and progressive, however deeply unhappy and powerless due to the inequality of the time period. Sybil turns against Eva Smith when she comes to the Women's Institute for support and Mrs Burling refuse her, refuses her as a single mother. Here, Eva is the perfect victim, the tarnished woman. 
somebody who has lost her place in the moral order of society and who is without the guide of a man. Sybil suggests that Eva's scruples were simply absurd for a girl in her position. She seems to be fixated on her claims rather than the need to support her, which you'd kind of expect from a woman who's volunteering for the Women's Institute to be more concerned with. This reveals that perhaps Mrs Berlin is more interested in the power that comes with the position rather than the good she can do with it. So, why was it important that Eva Smith was a poor woman and not a poor man? Well, the inspector referring to her as young woman throughout the play elicits more sympathy to her plight, but also compounds the gender divide. The character of Eva is established early on as a cog in the wheel of a male-dominated society. However, she is a modern woman, independent, and fights for her own rights and those of others. She leaves a lasting legacy for the characters, and also for the audience. Ultimately, Priestley would have hoped that by the end of the play, the audience would have questioned their behaviour and their views of stereotypical gender-defined roles. In this play, he depicts all young women to aspire to be progressive, despite their social status. So, it's worth that you consider the following questions now to cement your understanding of gender in Inspector Cause. How would you describe the position of women in 1912? Also, what aspects of society in 1912 made life harder for women than men? And finally, is Sheila a modern woman or a woman of her time? And good luck with your studies.